Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it, a podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Hey, Ben. How are you? I'm feeling great. How are you, Adam? Just fine. Great. So, uh, we're going to talk today about another recent headline. This one may have may have flown under the radar for a lot of people. It certainly caught our attention. Um, yeah. But it's about about Roth IRAs, um, and there was a story recently. Uh, a man by the name of Peter Thiel. Yes. Hence, you're feeling okay, feeling great. I am. Uh, he apparently has over $5 billion in a Roth IRA. And you and I said, <laughs> how is that even possible? Because there are limits to what you can get in a Roth IRA. Um, so we'll kind of go through a little bit of that. And then what does that actually mean you know, for clients? You know, how, how do we see it used most frequently? Um, yeah. But yeah, so I guess let me, let me give the rest of the backstory on the, the Peter Thiel event yeah please so apparently he is the he is a co-founder of paypal which became a very large profitable company but this is back in 1997 i think is when he was able to contribute a whole 1700 dollars to the roth ira (laughs) or maybe maybe it was 1999 whatever it was it was many many years ago um but the loophole that was exploited here and, and it may or may not pass muster with the irs in the end is that he was able to buy shares of a private company, his own company, PayPal, before it went public. And then over the years, right, that grew to 20 million, 30 million very quickly when PayPal went public. And then he just kind of kept flipping that into more private ventures. Yep, um, yep. And essentially just eventually turned that into 5 billion, which is now within a Roth IRA that when he hits age 59 and a half, he can access without paying tax on a single penny of his. billion of gains. (laughs) So moral of the story for all of us is Mm -hmm. we'll never be able to do this. We don't have (laughs) the- Never say never. Yeah, okay. Um, But a very special thank you to Peter Thiel, who now has presented us with the opportunity to talk about how (laughs) wonderful the Roth IRA is and uh, ways that you can hopefully contribute, convert, make tax-free income available for yourself, even if you don't own a private company. All right, fine. So let's just start at the beginning. Um, And we often like in this podcast to kind of like, let's talk about a misconception that might be out there. Mm -hmm. There there definitely are limits to people that want to put money into a Roth IRA. So a couple key things. One, you have to have earnings to contribute to an IRA. Two, you have to have tax. You have to have adjusted gross income. Married couple like less than one hundred ninety-six. Yeah, going to say two hundred thousand. Close enough. Close counts. Single individual less than like one hundred twenty-five ish. Sure. Yep. So if you if you own more than that, earn more earn. than that. You can't contribute, um, and you can only contribute up to IRS limits, which six thousand dollars for somebody under the age of fifty, seven thousand for somebody over. So. If you don't yeah. meet all those qualifications, 
you can't really contribute to a Roth IRA. Yeah, how many years would it take me to get to five billion if I put six thousand dollars a year into it? <laughs> you have to live. You have to live a really long time. Infinity, and have really good investments. Um, but the, that's one of the misconceptions that if, if I can't contribute, then I can't get money into a Roth IRA. False. Right. Let's start yep. at the beginning. We're seeing it more and more frequently that companies, for-profit companies within a 401k platform mm -hmm. are offering the ability for the employee, our clients, our prospects, people out there earning money, they're allowing them to put money into that 401k after tax, which is kind mm -hmm. of in that Roth IRA kind of feel. What right. does that mean? You don't get a tax deduction for putting your money into that, but that money then is hopefully able to grow over your lifetime or until you need to withdraw it uh, tax-free. So yeah. that's a really important one. Yeah, and the, the key component there is that the contributing to a 401k is not subject to those income limits, right? So the, the 196,000 for a, a married couple, 124,000 for a, a single individual, you can earn above those limits and still be eligible to contribute to your Roth 401k just because of the, the shell that it's under. The 401k doesn't have those income yeah. limits, which is a nice way for people who can't contribute to the Roth IRA to still get money into that preferred tax-free preferred bucket, um, yeah. even though they may earn more than those limits. And that whole cap on how much you can put in is subject to the 401k rules. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Nine. <laughs> 19,500 or again, if there's catch up yep. provisions for somebody over 50, 26,000. Yeah. So um, it certainly is available. And you know, if you don't know if it's available, certainly check out your summary plan description. But we do get that question a lot. Should I put money into it? Shouldn't I? Um, I realize there are certain situations where we probably maybe go against this general comment. But mm -hmm. I think just just the sheer fact that you could kind of choose to pay taxes on $1, hope it grows to 10 and then have nine completely tax-free feels better to me than deducting the one, letting it grow to 10 and then having to pay income taxes on all of it. Yeah, the the whole, I think the the previous wisdom was, you know, the, the traditional IRA, the, the Roth IRA, IRA, well, I don't even think came into existence until 1997. So it's still a fairly new development when it comes to like retirement planning you know the traditional ira and the the pre-tax 401k all of those investment vehicles the old wisdom was well i'll avoid the taxes now while i'm earning right and theoretically at a at a higher tax bracket and then when i retire and i don't have all of these earnings i'll be at a lower tax bracket so i could essentially deduct the the contribution yeah. at a higher rate. And then when I go to take it out, I'm going to be at a lower rate. So this is going to work out for me. What we've seen is that's not necessarily always the case. Once you start to stack income in retirement, it's very yeah. easy to get back to where you were while you were earning. And then by the way, if you have money in a pre-tax retirement account, you are forced to start to take distributions at age 72, whether you want them or need them. Uh, the IRS says, hey, you've avoided taxes on these pre-tax dollars up to this point. Now it's time to pay the piper. So that kind of leads me to the second thing on why I was kind of like happy to have this be the headline that would allow us to talk about it. Because I think another misconception was 
well, the Roth IRA really isn't for people that have, you know, more wealth or significant wealth or are doing retirement planning or, you know, not able to save anymore. And that's mm -hmm. just not true. I mean, we work with a lot of people that I would say have significant earnings, significant wealth, that there are other strategies that now lead us to go, well, if this is what we're projecting and this is not what you want to see happen, yeah. this Roth IRA may be able to kind of serve a purpose. So I'm teeing that up. Do you want me to kind of talk about Roth conversions or should I throw that to you? Yeah, so I'll, I'll take it from here. Thanks for throwing that baton right at my face. So <laughs> the, yeah, the, so as we talked about, right, the Roth I, contributing to a Roth IRA has income limits, but converting, so taking traditional or pre-tax IRA or 401k dollars and moving them, converting them into a Roth IRA does not come with those income limitations. So to your point, those that have earnings over and above those limits may have other significant wealth are still eligible to move money into the Roth IRA. The caveat being the time that you do that, whatever you're converting from an IRA to a Roth IRA, you have to pay the taxes at that point, right? In that tax year. But we can certainly make the argument based on their situation. It still may behoove them to do that for that tax yeah. growth moving forward. Yeah. So we've, we've seen this in a number of situations where people have just been really good savers and all that money went tax deferred into a 401k or into an IRA. And now mm -hmm. it's like, I don't, I maybe don't need all of that early in my retirement years where I'm able to yeah. kind of, I have a pension, I have social security, maybe I have a significant savings just at the bank that I'm able to mm -hmm. kind of pull money from. They don't have to take distributions until 72. That, that may be the perfect period of time to go gee, these compounding returns are just going to make that tax bomb feel even worse 10, 8, 6, however many years it is from now, maybe I should start converting those dollars. So that way I'm paying the taxes now. And again, allowing myself to have a different bucket of money that's going to be tax-free that I can pull from later in life. And if we just run simple math, dollar for dollar, same assumptions on both sides, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen situations where you really can see significant tax savings by doing it that way. And I know that maybe takes um, us agreeing to the assumption that maybe tax rates are not gonna go down further from here, but are more likely sure. to go up, sure. um, which I think is a fair assumption. But yeah. really, we've seen people that have significant wealth really looking to like convert some of that into a Roth IRA. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, I think often the kind of the, the next iteration of that is if, if the idea is, right, they have enough, we think they have enough savings, they, we think they have enough fixed income that they don't need to rely on that full pre-tax IRA to, you know, to meet their needs for the rest of their lives, then makes sense to start to convert that to a Roth IRA, pay the taxes today. And if, again, the, the idea being they may not ever need to use this for themselves, the Roth IRA is a great vehicle to pass on to the next generation. Absolutely. Yeah. So good lead in. I think this Roth IRA and our kind of love affair with it <laughs> grew, even, grew even stronger at the end of 2019 when the SECURE Act, not the CARES Act, get myself confused at this point, mm -hmm. these government programs and all their acronyms, the SECURE Act, um, said that, by the way, when you have beneficiaries that are inheriting your IRA, 
um, they used to be able to stretch that out over their lifetime, right? And think about taxability. The reason you have to start taking money out at 72 from these qualified accounts is that if you've never paid taxes, the IRS is going, guess what? Time to pay the piper. You pass away with that balance, your beneficiaries still need to pay those income taxes. Mm-hmm. And, now, and now the rule is they can't just spread that out over la- their lifetime. It has to be exhausted within 10 years. So, oof. Now yeah. your kids may be inheriting money at their prime earning years, have mm-hmm. to take these distributions on top of what they're earning. And all of a sudden they're paying more in taxes than you may have been. And you can kind of see where I'm going with this. Yeah. There, there absolutely becomes reason to have a conversation on, is it better for you to convert these dollars and you pay the taxes and allow that growth to be tax-free so that your kids don't have to pay those taxes? Yeah. And there's certainly going to be enough situations where people will go, yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> let's, let's figure that out. Yeah, and we've certainly seen both spectrums of that, of that last piece of the conversation, right? We've, we've seen enough and have heard enough people say, hey, you know what? When I'm, when I'm gone, if I didn't use it, you know what, kid, if you got to pay some taxes, tough break. Like you're, yeah. you're going to inherit this money, pay the taxes. The IRS is going to be a beneficiary. I don't care. Totally but I think, sure. yeah, I think more often than not, and the conversation we had recently is, you know, if they, they almost view the inheritance as, as a gift, right? I'm, I'm going to give this to either my kids, grandkids, whatever it may be. And like giving a birthday gift, you're not giving them, you know, <laughs> a, a gift minus, and then they have to pay you back some taxes, you know, after they open the, <laughs> open the card and see a, you know, $20 bill, you don't ask for $3 back. So I think that <laughs> that's, that's becoming more and more kind of the mindset that we're seeing is maybe if I truly want to look at this as leaving a legacy for, for my, my next of kin, then it may make sense for me to just kind of take on some of this tax burden now and know that when I pass, what I have left, whatever's in a Roth IRA is going to actually pass to them dollar for dollar that they can use tax-free. So I guess the point being, it's still subject to that 10-year withdrawal period, right? right. Even, if it's, even if it's a Roth IRA. But again, those distributions, as long as it's within a Roth IRA, are still tax-free. So they may have to take out bigger chunks over a 10-year period instead of their lifetime. But it's still you're you're not you're not feeling the bite of the you know the IRS taking some tax dollars. Yeah, I think that also one of the other reasons that we think about that not just gifting for the next generation, and then I actually want to come back to charitable gifts. But Ooh, yeah. the um, the reality is later in life when something may occur where you need to tap into money, if you're having to tap into a traditional IRA, and that's all taxable then you're really not controlling your tax bracket in a way that you might if you had a little bit in a Roth or you had a little bit in savings where you could say, well, gee, I'm already at kind of a threshold of where I want to be with income taxes. Now's the time for me to go to that Roth IRA and not increase that. So Mm -hmm. I really just think it adds to a lot of flexibility later in life too, um, where people that already have higher taxable income, if it's based on their savings, their required minimum distributions, their pensions, whatever it is, you almost want to have that spot you can go to for big expenditures. That's not going to increase your tax liability. Yeah, fair. So I know you said you wanted to come back to the, the charitable giving side of things. So maybe I'll just, I'll start, oh, yeah. I'll start, I'll start here first and then I'll, I'll leave that to you. So we were talking about kind of the pre RMB age, right? Pre age 72 
conversions where there is that window between, you know, maybe retirement and when you're forced to start to take money out. But what happens when you're 72 or beyond and you're still forced to take those RMDs from a, a pre-tax retirement account? The IRS says, yes, you may want to convert some of this to a Roth IRA, but you must take your full RMD, pay the taxes yes. on it. And then if you would like to convert, you can do that over and above what you're going to pay, you know, the, what you're forced to take out and pay taxes on first. So it's, to be very clear, if you want to convert any dollars from an IRA after age 72, it has to be over and above that RMD amount. Except if it was 2020 when your RMD was suspended <laughs> because of CARES Act. Just, right. just because we know we probably have listeners out there that we told they could do that last year. That's that right. A very special case. It's the um, exce exception that proves the rule. Yes. So this is just one more place. And I'm glad you remembered because it already had left my, my head that we can talk about charitable giving with this. It's, it's another place where we are fortunate to work with some people that are very charitable. Um, this is kind of the best of both worlds. If you want to get money into that Roth IRA, and to your good point, it would only mean taking more taxable income out of your IRA because you're over that age 72. Sometimes it's really neat to pair that with a charitable gift where you're getting charitable deduction on one side that kind of offsets mm -hmm. the taxability on the other side, um, especially if part of your estate plan was to involve charities. Yeah. So um, I think there's just another way that we can talk to people that have wealth and are good givers. They're not worried about running out of money in life. Um, to kind of utilize this tool, not only for themselves, but for potentially the next generation and scratch the itch on the charitable giving. Yeah. Yeah. It's ultimately we, we like any part of planning, right? It's, it's a big puzzle that we start to pair these pieces together. As long as we have a, a good enough picture of, you know, their total financial situation, we can start to piece together. Yeah, do they do they have charitable inclinations? Do they want to give gifts? And maybe part of that is they are good gift givers, but it's still, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, right? The standard deduction now being so high, 24, yeah. 25,000, you have to have itemized deductions over and above that $25,000 amount to be able to then deduct them. So being able to kind of lump some of this together, whether it's your giving all in one year combined with Roth, conversions again it, to us it's a big puzzle where we can start to try yep. to piece these things together that piecemeal may not work but in in one kind of cohesive strategy it, it's it's pretty exciting the things that you can actually accomplish yeah i think maybe i can wrap this all up and kind of saying hopefully we've now illustrated that no matter what phase of life you're in this this really can be a tool for you you know all the way to the people that are just getting started in their financial life, saving mm -hmm. to that Roth IRA because it's compounding tax-free returns for however long you're gonna work, all the way down to this estate planning mechanism. And of course, in between. So it really is a great tool, um, can be used, I think in many, many, many different situations, regardless of your phase of life or financial profile. And um, you know, the fact that Peter Thiel got it into the headlines again, gave us this opportunity to kind of say, while you're not going to be able to do what he did, um, make sure it's something you're considering for your own situation. Yep. Yep. I agree. And if you have questions, feel free to reach out. Oh, you brought it all the way back around. <laughs> well done. Beat you to it. 
thank you for the feedback uh, and the commentary again today, Adam. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> we'll bring you back next time. Oh, good. Take care. <laughs> Thanks. See ya. See ya. Hey, everyone. Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in. Please note that the opinions we voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be most appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, your accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to making any decisions or investing. Thanks for listening.